This is a Neighbors United in Christ broadcast. Jesus, name above all names, beautiful Savior, glorious Lord, Emmanuel, God is with us, blessed Redeemer, living Word. Oh, come, all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant, oh, come ye, oh, come ye to Bethlehem. Come and behold him, born the King of angels, oh, come let us adore him, oh,
This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. This will be the fourth Sunday in Advent, and so we light the candles. The first candle is the candle of hope, and it illuminates God's promise. The second candle is the candle of love, and its light leads us in God's way. The third candle is the candle of joy, and it shows us God's healing and wholeness. And fourth candle, this is the candle of peace, and it proclaims Christ's coming reign of justice, when we will make war no more. We await the coming of Christ. God keeps God's promises to us. We await the coming of Christ. With peace in our hearts, we wait. Well, welcome to worship, good neighbors. You are listening to a Neighbors United in Christ Parish Worship Service, sponsored by the Lutheran Churches of Duranda, Little Falls, and Trinity. My name is Lauren Tague, and thanks today to Jim Haugerud and Debbie Tague, our musicians. And our recording engineer is Isaac Christensen. You are able to join us by NUIC podcast and at 8 a.m. each Sunday morning on WPCA Radio 93.1 FM and its live internet stream on www.wpcaradio.org. If you'd like to help sponsor these services or donate to our ministry, you can contact us by phone at 715-268-9577, by mail at NUIC Parish, 1578 85th Avenue, Amory, Wisconsin and through our website at www.nuicparish.org. We want to thank uh, the family of Obi and Margie Burgett for sponsoring this program. And also we want to say thank you to WPCA for this broadcast. We will be celebrating uh, our Christmas Eve service tonight at 4.30, and we'll have our Christmas program tomorrow morning at uh, 9.30 at Little Falls Lutheran. May you all have a great Christmas as we celebrate Christ together. The church is anywhere people gather in Jesus' name. Even when we are not together in a church building, God continues to be present in the creative and intentional ways that we gather for worship. Therefore, wherever you are at this time, worshiping in Jesus' name, your present location is the church. You may want to have a cloth to lay before you, a candle or a cross, to help your worship uh, time together here. And also have a Bible to read along with the scripture lessons. As we begin worship, it is our desire to honor God, to open our hearts to the spirit of God's love and presence, and begin with the invocation. Dedicating this hour to the presence and purposes of God, we worship together with God the Creator, Jesus our Savior, and the Spirit, our breath of life. Let's confess together our sins and hear the absolution. We confess our sins before God and one another, ever-present God. We come before you in need of grace. Too often our thoughts are judgmental and condemning of others. Too often our words are sarcastic or harsh 
as harmful as weapons. Too often our actions are motivated by selfishness and we do not recognize the hurt or need in others. Forgive us, O God, and draw us back into right relationships with you, our neighbors, and your creation. The promise is sure. Christ's advent is near. And in Christ we are forgiven all our sin. Know that you are a beloved child of God and be strengthened in all goodness. Amen. We'll now have our gathering songs. things and people uh, led up to the birth of Christ and the celebration, but this song is about the animals in the stable. They say they had a part in it too, and this is their part. Jesus, our brother, kind and good, was humbly born in a stable root, and the friendly peace around him stood. Jesus, Carried his mother uphill and down. I carried her 
safely to Bethlehem town. I said the donkey shaggy and brown. I said the cow all white and red. I gave him my manger for his bed. I gave him my hay to pillow his head. I said the cow the sheep with curly horn. I gave him my wool for his blanket warm. He wore my coat on Christmas morn. I set the sheep with curly horn. I set the dove from the rafters high. Cooed him to sleep that he should not cry. We cooed him to sleep, my mate and I. I set the dove from the rafters high. I set the camel yellow and black over the desert above. I brought him a gift in the wise men's pack. I set the camel yellow and black. Thus every beast by some good spell in the stable dark was glad to tell of the gift he gave Emmanuel. The gift Thank you, Jim and Debbie. I'd also like to remind you that uh, at 4 o'clock today, uh, there will be a Christmas Eve broadcast on WPCA also, and we'd encourage you to listen to that. We continue with the litany. Praise God for showing loving kindness to us, for making the sun to rise and set, giving light and order to, in our daily lives, for holding us in our fear and doubt, and for sending friends to comfort us with hugs and hot food, for children born or adopted, and for care and support when our desires for children do not come to fruition, for food, shelter, and safety for the most vulnerable among us, and for the call to strive for justice for those still in need. God's name is blessed forever. Praise God for showing loving kindness to us. Thanks be to God. I'll continue with the prayer of the day. God of all, you call us into one body of Christ for the good of the world. Strengthen, sustain us through your word and meal that we might support and sustain one another in all that you call us to do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I encourage you to now share the sign of peace where you bless yourself or someone worshiping with you today, beginning with a touch on the forehead and use the Trinity formula. Be blessed or I am blessed 
In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. At this time, we'll turn to the Holy Scriptures. And if you have a Bible with you, I invite you to turn with us and follow along with the Scripture readings. The first reading is taken from Luke chapter 1, verses 5 through 13 and 57 through 80. In the days of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly order of Abijah. His wife was a descendant of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Both of them were righteous before God, living blamelessly according to all the commandments and regulations of the Lord. But they had no children because Elizabeth was barren and both were getting on in years. Once when he was serving as priest before God and his section was on duty, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and offer incense. Now at the time of the incense offering, the whole assembly of the people was praying outside. Then there appeared to him an angel of the Lord, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was terrified, and fear overwhelmed him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will name him John. Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown his great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. On the eighth day they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him Zechariah after his father. But, but his mother said, No, he is to be called John. They said to her, None of your relatives has this name. Then they began motioning to his father to find out what name he wanted to give him. He asked for a writing tablet and wrote, His name is John. And all of them were amazed. Immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue freed and he began to speak, praising God. Fear came over all their neighbors and all these things were talked about throughout the entire hill country of Judea. All who heard them pondered them and said, What then will this child become? For indeed the hand of the Lord was with him. Then his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke his prophecy. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has looked favorably on his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a mighty Savior for us in the house of his servant David. As he spoke through the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we would be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. Thus he has shown the mercy promised to our ancestors and has remembered his holy covenant. The oath that he swore to our ancestors Abraham to grant us that we, being rescued from the hands of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness, for him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the forgiveness of their sins. By the tender mercy of our God, the dawn from on high will break upon us, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. The child grew and became a strong in spirit, and he was in the wilderness until the day he appeared publicly to Israel. Here ends the first reading. Hello, young neighbors. I hope you're doing well. Are you getting more excited as we get closer to Christmas, the birthday of Jesus? I am. 
The fourth candle is the angel's candle. It symbolizes peace. It is a purple candle. So what do you think of when you think of angels? Good, protection, God's messengers. They help us in times of trouble. They are sent to protect the children of God. Do you have any angels you can see in your house right now? They may be out for the Christmas season. I have a question for you. Why wouldn't we keep them out year round to remind us of their protection? We can also remember they announced the coming of Jesus' birth. So what do you think of when you think of peace? People getting along together, no stress, thinking of how Jesus cares for us, loves us, and wants the best for us. What part did the angels play in letting us know Jesus was going to be born? Do you remember? Here is the story from the Bible, Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But many treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen which were just as they had been told. Now, how exciting would it have been to be there? Imagine a whole huge choir of angels singing. Wow! How would you have reacted? Scared? Happy? Curious? Excited? They announced the birth of our Savior Jesus. He will bring peace to the world. So let's review the candles we have studied through the past four weeks of Advent. The first candle was the prophet's candle of hope, having a positive outlook for the future. The second candle is the Bethlehem candle, the candle of faith, God is in control. The third candle is the shepherd's candle, joy, rejoice, our Savior Jesus is born, an angel's candle, peace, help us to get along with other people. The circle of the wreath symbolizes God's never-ending love for us. The evergreen symbolized everlasting life, even in the middle of winter. The lit candles shine light into the darkness. Jesus is the light of the world. So let's bow our heads for a short prayer. Dear God, thank you for blessing us with the birth of your son, Jesus. Help us to remember the meanings of the Advent candles all year. Hope, faith, joy, and peace. Help the world to remember these ideas too. Amen.
Second text is taken from Psalm 113. Praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time on and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. The Lord is high above all nations and his glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God, who is seated on high, who looks far down on the heavens and the earth? He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes and with the princes of his people. He gives them the barren woman a home and making her the joyous mother of children. Praise the Lord. Here ends the second reading. And now may the words of my mouth and meditation of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. I suppose for many of us, Christmas gets old. I was listening to the different pastors talk on Tuesday in our text study and trying to figure out how do you make this Christmas story more meaningful. And we talked about what our culture has done to Christmas, and I have to admit there's just been so many uh, movies that I've seen and so many misrepresentations of what Christmas is about. It's hard to... Uh, come up with something that's new and, and it really strikes home. But we'll try. Think back of one of the songs we get to hear, that Santa's coming to town. Well, maybe what we ought to be singing is Jesus is coming to town. But maybe we'd have to change the words, don't you think? Because he knows if you've been naughty or nice, that Jesus does know. But what a difference there is. Grace still happens for us because we are a forgiven people. We have to break out of our old ways of looking at things because so much of our life is around that 
naughty or nice. If you're naughty, you have to pay a price unless you have a lot of money. And if you're nice, you get better gifts. For God is looking at us. He gives us the one gift of grace and of mercy and love. And it's there for us all the time. But it's hard to break those old habits of getting compliments when we've done something well and think that we're really important and we base our worth on that. While well, God comes to us as we are, loves us, and calls us his child. Well, today the narrative had some interesting uh, words for us, uh, dealing with, Zac uh, I want to say Zacchaeus, but Zechariah, and that the work of building God's kingdom is meant to be shared, and that means that the joy of God's grace is too. It's curious that in this passage of text, Elizabeth is the one who corrects her neighbors and relatives. After all, we are told that instructions to call her child John were given to Zechariah. We are also told that Zechariah is a person whom this community considers ultimately authoritative regarding her child's name. Zechariah doesn't just reiterate the name John for the crowd. He also goes on to prophesy in verses 67 through 80, shutting down any potential arguments like those they presented to Elizabeth. Oh, she is the one whose body bears the literal weight of this promise from God. Elizabeth actually seems to have little, very little to do with the birth of John as it is relayed here. Her involvement is passive. It is simply mentioned. So why would the author of the Gospel of Luke include Elizabeth in all this back and forth at, the, uh, at this story? What is the point of having her intercede if the crowd won't listen to her or believe her? The Spirit could be trying to tell us on this last Sunday of Advent, this Christmas Eve, that the work of God is so big, so incredible, and so unlike anything else we encounter in our lives that the news of it doesn't always take or sink in the first time around. If we read between the lines of this passage, we know that Zechariah told Elizabeth everything that the angel told him. It seems like the two of them considered this promise to be a team venture, and not just because Elizabeth was the one who would conceive, grow, deliver, and raise John. It's clear to us as readers that Elizabeth had internalized the cosmic significance of the angel's word. It's clear that she believed down to her bones that her son would be an integral part of God's work in the world and that his name needed to reflect that. Elizabeth knew that the angel was telling the truth, so she was determined to follow the path he had laid out down to the details there aren't many other reasons why she would have ignored tradition or gone against the grain when her neighbors and family members suggested calling her child after his father. Zechariah is a fierce advocate in this story. He defends and supports Elizabeth in what she is saying, marrying her faith and strengthening it in the process. Because the two of them are united by the word of God, and because they profess it together, they are able to instill awe and belief 
where there once was skepticism and doubt. They are able to turn the focus of an entire community towards something divine instead of something mundane. They are able to plant the idea of something new instead of dealing with the same old, same old. There are going to be seasons in each of our faith journeys where we feel like Elizabeth, unheard, discredited, and brushed aside. There are going to be seasons too where we feel like Zechariah, chosen, valued, and inspired. Our good news today is that the word of God is only ever meant to be heard, understood, and internalized as a community venture. We have each other to lean on. We will have opportunities to advocate for each other. We can expect that living out, our, out God's promises will bring challenges with it, but we can also expect that it will bring joy beyond our wildest imagination. God promises Elizabeth and Zachariah a child in their old age, but not just any child, one who would prepare the world for the coming of the Messiah. I like what the narrative is talking about, and again about community, supporting one another, advocating for one another. Times when people don't listen to us, we get discredited. God never discredits us. The community shouldn't either. There's a story that I want to share uh, just because it uh, talks a little bit about what's coming up here with Christmas and as, as we prepare for the Christ child. Have you ever tried thinking of getting that perfect present for somebody? That gift where it might mean something to somebody who has everything or seems like they have everything. Maybe you struggle with uh, gift giving like I do at times. And, and this story is by Norman Vincent Peale. He talks about a gift from the heart. And I'd like to read it to you. And listen closely as this young lady, I think, brings home what gift giving is about. New York City, where I live, is impressive at any time, but as Christmas approaches, its overwhelming store windows blaze with light and color. Furs and jewels, golden angels, 40 feet tall. However, over Fifth Avenue, wealth, power, and opulence, nothing in the world can match this fabulous display. Through the gleaming canyons, people hurry to find last-minute gifts. Money seems to be no problem. If there's a problem, it's that the recipients so often have everything they need or want that it's hard to find anything suitable, anything that will really say, I love you. Last December, as Christ's birthday drew, drew near, a stranger was faced with just that problem. She had come from Switzerland to live in an American home and perfect her English. In return, she was willing to act as secretary, mind the grandchildren, do anything that was asked. She was just a girl in her late teens. Her name was Ursula. One of the tasks of her employers gave Ursula was keeping track of Christmas presents as they arrived. There were many, and all would require acknowledgement. 
Ursula kept a faithful record, but with a growing concern. She was grateful to her American friends. She wanted to show her gratitude by giving them a Christmas present. But nothing that she could buy with her small allowance could compare with the gifts she was recording daily. Besides, even without these gifts, it seemed like that her employers already had everything. At night from her window, Ursula could see the snowy expanse of Central Park and beyond, far below and the rest of the streets. Taxis hooted and traffic lights winked red and green and green. It was so different from the silent majesty of the Alps that at times she had to blink back tears of home sickness. She was careful never to show it. It was the solitude of her little room. And a few days before Christmas, that a secret idea came to Ursula. It was almost as if a voice spoke clearly inside her head. It's true, said the voice, that many people in this city have much more than you do. But surely there are many who have far less. If you think about this, you may find it uh, a solution to what's troubling you. Ursula thought long and hard, and finally on her day off, which was Christmas Eve, she went to a great department store. She moved slowly along the crowded aisles, selecting and rejecting things in her mind. At last she bought something and had it wrapped in gaily colored paper. She went out into the gray twilight and looked helplessly around. Finally, she went up to the doorman, resplendent in blue and gold. Excuse me, please, she said. Can you tell me where to find a poor street? A poor street? Miss, said the puzzled man. Yes, a very poor street. The poorest in the city. The little doorman looked doubtful. Well, you might try Harlem or down the village or the lower east end, maybe. But these names meant nothing to Ursula. She thanked the doorman and walked along, threading her way along through the stream of shoppers until she came to a tall policeman. Please, she said, can you direct me to a very poor street in Harlem? The policeman looked down at her sharply and shook his head. Harlem's no place for you, miss. And he blew his whistle and sent the traffic swirling past. Holding her package carefully, Ursula walked on, head bowed against the sharp wind. If a street looked poorer than the one she was on, she took it, but none seemed like slums she had heard about. Once she stopped the woman, please, where do you very poor people live? But the woman gave her a hard stare and hurried on. Darkness came, shifting through the sky. Ursula was cold and discouraged and afraid of becoming lost. She came to an intersection and stood forlornly on the corner, and then what she was trying to do suddenly seemed foolish, impulsive, absurd. Then through the traffic or she heard the cheerful twinkle or tinkle of a bell. On the corner, opposite a Salvation Army man was making his holiday traditional Christmas appeal. At once, Ursula felt better. The Salvation Army was a part of life in Switzerland, too. Surely this man could tell her what she wanted to know. She waited for the light, then crossed over to him and said, Can you help me? I'm looking for a, a baby. I have here a present for the poorest baby I can find and she held up the package in the green ribbon and the gaily colored paper. 
Dressed in gloves and overcoat a size too big for him, he seemed a very ordinary man, but behind his steel-rimmed glasses, his eyes were kind. He looked at Ursula and stopped ringing his bell. What sort of present, he asked. Oh, a little dress for a small, poor baby. Do you know of one? Ah, oh, yes, he said, of 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 more than one, I'm afraid. Is it far away? I could take a ta taxi, maybe. The Salvation Man wrinkled his forehead. Finally, he said, it's almost six o'clock. My relief will show up then. If you want to wait, you can, and you can afford a dollar taxi ride, I'll take you to a family in my own neighborhood who needs just about everything. And they have a small baby? Oh, a very small baby. Then, said Ursula joyfully, I want, and I'll wait. The substitute bell ringer came, a cruising taxi slowed in the welcome warmth. She told her new friend about herself, how she came to be in New York, what she was trying to, to do. He listened in silence, and by the taxi driver listened too. When they reached their destination, the driver said, take your time, miss, I'll wait for you. On the sidewalk, Ursula stared up at the forbidding tenement, dark, decaying, saturated with hopelessness. A gust of wind, iron cold, stirred the refuge in the street and rattled the reeling ash cans. They live on the third floor, the Salvation Army said. Shall we go up? But Ursula shook her head. They would try to thank me, and this is not from me. She pressed the package into his hand. Take it up for me, please. Say it's from, from someone who has everything. The taxi bore her swiftly from the dark streets to lighted streets, from misery to abundance. She tried to visualize the Salvation Army, man walking and climbing the stairs, the knock, the explanation, the package being opened and the dress on the baby. It has to be to do. Arriving at the apartment on Fifth Avenue where she lived, she fumbled in her purse, but the driver flicked the flag up. No charge, miss. No charge, echoed Ursula, bewildered. Don't worry, the driver said. I've been paid. He smiled at her and drove away. Ursula was up the next day. She set the table with the special care. By the time she was finished, the family was awake and there was all the excitement and laughter of Christmas morning. Soon the living room was a sea of gay, discarded wrappings. Ursula thanked everyone for the presents she received. Finally, when there was a lull, she began to explain hesitantly why there seemed to be none from her. She told about going to the department store. She told about the Salvation Army man. She told about the taxi driver. When she was finished, there was a long silence. No one seemed to trust themselves to speak. So you see, said Ursula, I try to do kindness in your name, and this is my Christmas present to you. How do I know all this? I know it because ours was a home where Ursula lived. Ours was the Christmas she shared. We were, like many Americans, so richly blessed that to this child there seemed to be nothing she could add to all the material things we already had. And so she offered something of far greater value, a gift from the heart, an act of kindness carried out in our name. Strange, isn't it? 
a shy Swiss girl alone on a great impersonal city, he would think that nothing she could do would affect anyone. And yet by trying to give away love, she brought the true spirit of Christmas into our lives. The spirit of selfless giving, that was Ursula's gift, secret, and she shared it with us all. We're getting ready for the birth of Christ. And again, we move forward because God has come to us in love. He's coming with a selfless love for people who have so much. I hope we can enjoy what has been given to us, that we can share it with others. And we can do it without always claiming credit for it, but just doing it because that's our gift. And we do it in the name of Christ. So that we both, the giver and the gifty, can have joy in what goes on. I shared this story a while back and it was one about the poet who went into a, oh, a home where he'd been walking a long time and he knocked on the door and uh, the people who had much turned him away. But they did say the guy across the street or down the uh, field down the way, he would have room. And sure enough, he went there and knocked on the door and an old man came to the door and uh, he said, yeah, you're welcome to come in. He said, you just have to understand, uh, uh, I don't have much, but you're welcome to put, if you're welcome to put up with what we have, come on in. And so the man walked in. And there were only two small rooms. There was no rug on the floor, no shades at the windows, and no piece of furnishing that was worth anything. There was a bed, a rickety table, an old stove, and a few broken chairs. But he left the next morning with sincere thanks to his host for the evening. And later when he was discussing the experience with a friend, he said, that man had nothing, and he gave half of it to me. And we were both and we both had an abundance. That's really the story of faith, the faith in Jesus. Even when we don't think we have anything, if we give what we have, we will have abundance and so will those around us. Because Christ said, I will give you life and you will have it abundantly. But not only for you, but for those that you are with, as you share it, and as you live it, and as you give it. Isn't it good to look forward to God's gift this evening? A little baby slipping in to humanity to love us all into life. Amen. Told me, pa A newborn king to see, pa rumpa pum pum. 
confess our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father, he will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. We continue with the prayers of the Church. In anticipation of the coming Messiah, we pray for the Church, the world, and all in need. God of song, we praise you for all the ways you show up and surprise us, calling us into your loving service for the sake of the world. Inspire us to carry the gospel message as John the Baptist would. Guide all who strive to bring endangered species back from the brink through captive breeding and reintroduction programs so that all creatures you have made might flourish. Strengthen all leaders of faith communities, and their call to serve. 
that they might inspire your people to proclaim the gospel and all that they say and do. We lift all our prayers, spoken and unspoken, into your loving arms, trusting in your love and mercy through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. We continue with the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. As people of faith, we are called to continue strengthening the ministry of the church. Even when we are physically distant, we invite you to prayerfully consider making a donation to our parish, your home congregation, the synod, or somewhere else where the work of the body of Christ is being done to love and serve our neighbors. So gracious and holy God, bless these tithes and offerings we have given for the sake of the kingdom. Let the grace and generosity of the Father be the light that guides us, the compassion of the Son be the love that inspires us, and the presence of God's Spirit, the power that moves us. Called to walk together as the body of Christ, let us abide with one another in peace. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you with grace and mercy. The Lord look upon you with favor and grant you peace. Amen. Thou didst leave thy throne and thy kingly crown When thou camest to earth for me But in Bethlehem's home was there found no room For thy holy nativity Oh, come to my heart, Lord Jesus Thank you for listening to a Neighbors United in Christ broadcast. Our podcast is supported by our three congregations of Deronda, Little Falls, and Trinity Lutheran Churches, our small town churches in Amber, Wisconsin. If you feel so moved to donate, please visit us online at nuicparish.org. That's nuicparish.org. Until next time. Oh, come to my heart, Lord Jesus.